Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love thee. I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love thee. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So today, July 6th, marks the feast day of St. Maria Goretti. This is a virgin and a martyr. Uh, fairly recent, too. I mean, uh, she was born in 1890, so I guess died around just before the turn of the century. Uh, and she's an example of purity and mercy for all Christians. Now, she's known specifically for her commitment to purity and the courageous defense of her faith at just the very tender age of 11 that made her willing to endure death rather than to, to participate in a sin against God. She's also remarkable for the forgiveness she willingly granted her attacker as she lay on her deathbed. So who was this person? Well, Maria was born in Italy on October 16th, 1890. And sadly, her father, who was a farmer, died of malaria when she was young. And when her mother went off to work, Maria was in charge of taking care of the house and the other children. Uh, and she used to pray the rosary in the evening for the repose of her father's soul. This was a very saintly girl. Uh, she grew up in God's grace and uh, became a very beautiful young woman. And she was always very cheerful, even about being obedient and had great piety. So this was an exceptional child. A different from others. But on July 5th of 1902, uh, 120 years ago today, or yesterday, uh, they had a neighbor who was a farmhand named Alessandro Serenelli, and he tried to rape Maria. Uh, on several prior occasions, he harassed her with impure advances, which she always rejected. But this time he locked her in a room and tried to force himself upon her. And she fought against him and she shouted, no, it is a sin that God does not want it. And she even warned him that this was the path towards hell. Now, when Maria mentioned this was the path towards hell, uh, Alessandro got very angry. And then Maria declared that she would rather die than to submit to this sin. And so he grabbed a knife and stabbed her 14 times. Little Maria was found bleeding to death and rushed to the hospital. And as she was dying, she forgave Alessandro for the uh, grievous crime he just committed against her, saying, uh, quote, yes, for the love of Jesus, I forgive him and I want him to be with me in paradise. Close quote. So this is somebody who is remarkable in her maturity in the Christian faith. Uh, you know, there's not many adults that would respond that way, let alone a child. 
And although the doctors did try very hard to save her, she died two days later at the tender age of 11, 11 years old. So the young man, Alessandro, who I believe was 20 at the time, uh, was sentenced to 30 years in prison. And he remained unrepentant until one night after eight years into his prison term, Maria appeared to him and she was dressed in white, gathering lilies in her arms. And she smiled and she turned towards him and offered him the flowers. And each lily that Alessandro took uh, transformed into a white flame. And then Maria disappeared. Now, from that moment on, this young man, Alessandro, converted and found peace. And he repented of his crime and he changed his life, although still in prison. He was released from prison three years early and he begged forgiveness from Maria's mother, Asunta, which she did grant to the man. Alessandro moved to a Capuchin monastery and he worked in the garden for the remainder of his life. And he was one of the witnesses who testified to Maria's holiness during her cause for beatification, citing the crime and the vision that he had in prison. That would be one of the two miracles necessary for canonization. Many miracles were attributed to this young woman after her death. And in 1950, she was canonized by Pope Pius XII becoming the youngest Roman Catholic saint officially recognized by name. And of course, her feast day is celebrated today on July 6th. She's the patron of purity, rape victims, young women, and youth in general. Now, on her feast day in 2003, this is what Pope John Paul II had to say about Maria. What does this fragile but Christianly mature girl say to today's young people? through her life, and above all, through her heroic death. Marietta, as she was lovingly called, reminds the youth of the third millennium that true happiness demands courage and a spirit of sacrifice, refusing every compromise with evil and having the disposition to pay personally, even with death, faithful to God and his commandments. The Holy Father continued today, Pleasure, selfishness, and directly immoral actions are often exalted in the name of the false ideals of liberty and happiness. It is essential to reaffirm clearly that purity of heart and a body go together because chastity is the custodian of authentic love. Now, isn't that interesting? One day after we're speaking about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, uh, John Paul the Great measure, he, he uh, mentions that today, pleasure and selfishness are directly immoral actions that are often exalted in the name of the false ideals of liberty and happiness. So that's just a little confirmation of yesterday's talk. A uh, great saint indeed. Um, when she was canonized in 1950, Pius XII um she called, he called her the, the St. Agnes of the 20th century. Of course, St. Agnes was also a young girl martyred uh, in the early church. And uh, Alessandro was present at her canonization. I, th I find that fascinating that the, the man who murdered her would uh, have such a conversion and his own path would lead to the canonization of the very uh, woman who, who's being canonized that he had murdered 
you know, you just can't make this stuff up, how God can, can bring about conversion in even the most hardened sinner. Uh, there was some 500,000 people that were at this canonization. Many of them were young people. And Pius, uh, Pope Pius asked this question to them. Young people, pleasure of the eyes of Jesus. Are you determined to resist any attack on your chastity with the help of the grace of God? And there was a resounding yes across the entire uh, plaza. So, uh, again, that was 1950. Times have changed. Um, this an attack right now on purity in America. It's been going on for some time, decades actually, but it's accelerating and the attack is fierce. And what has come, I think to all of our attention is we, this frog in the water syndrome has happened. We, we put up with the little incurrences year after year after year. And now there's a torrent of filth that's being, uh, washed over our country like a tsunami. And now it's too big to stop, it seems. Now, certainly God could stop it in a heartbeat. But we've become comfortable with the filth. We've become comfortable with vulgarities. And we've become comfortable with lewdness, you know? And it's just not okay. Uh, I'll tell you a story about, this is from a, a gentleman uh, named David uh, Heideck, and he wrote a book, uh, Protecting Your Purity, Help from St. Thomas Aquinas and the Angelic Warfare Confraternity. And he uh, uses a very interesting illustration about purity in this book. And he uh, cites the example of the Arctic tundra of North America and Europe, where this short-tailed weasel with snow white fur lives and this little little creature is called an ermine and it takes great pride in its pure white coat and hunters of this animal take advantage of this fact so rather than setting traps the hunters find the ermine's home and they put garbage all around the entrance to the home then they send out the dogs and in an attempt to escape, the ermine dashes for the safety of his home. But when he comes to the entrance and finds it covered with filth, he refuses to enter because doing so would soil his pure white fur. And so instead, the ermine turns around to face its certain doom. Isn't that interesting that the animal, of course, it would be an instinct to preserve the whiteness with the snow background. Uh, the animal would have that. Uh, instinct that once it's covered in dirt, it would stand out against the backdrop of the snow. Uh, but nonetheless, he's uh, he should have dove into the, the the home and getting dirty despite dying. But that's kind of an interesting thing. Uh, we could say uh, that Saint uh, Maria Goretti had the same instinct. She had to preserve her purity above all else. Um, and he goes on, he uses this little pithy quote, give me purity or give me death. But that's not how most of us are, you know. We've become too comfortable with letting things slide. Uh, St. Augustine, you know, as he was coming into his conversion, away from, he also had troubles uh, with lust and sex. 
with an unmarried woman. Um, and before his final conversion, he would pray, give me purity, but not yet. He just wasn't ready to give it up. Uh, eventually he did and became a great saint and a doctor of the church uh, and, of course, a bishop. Uh, but it begs the the question, why did this happen and how did this happen? How did it happen? Well, technology has a lot to do with it because, you know, if you wanted to look at things you shouldn't look at, you had to go to a uh, convenience store or something and, and buy a magazine off the rack and um, – you know, it would be the culture would frown against that. So it would be an embarrassing. You'd have to put yourself out there now, given now that we have these phones in all our hands. Uh, pornography is available to everywhere all the time. And that's a problem. And it's not just the pornography. It's the Madison Avenue advertisers. It's the Hollywood producers. It's the TV executives. They're all pushing sex and nudity and vulgarity and and by the way the language has become disgusting now i'll tell you something when i look back to the 70s and 80s some of the programming in the 80s uh and the movies that were made they used the lord's name in vain much much more back then than they do today and and that's a horrible thing when i say use the lord's name in vain I mean, when they're directly uh, using foul language that involves the name of God. Uh, nowadays, they just use the, the curse words with just utter, the profanity is unbelievable. If you've seen that movie, uh, Father Stew, you know, I mean, that was a barrage of, of lewdness and vulgarity. Um, and I understand he wanted to make the point of the conversion of this man, but um, we don't need that. We just don't need that. Uh, you know, if you're pure, you're going to be pure about everything, not just um, certain areas. And because it was a Catholic movie, I guess people let their guard down. But it's too much. And the kids are picking it up. Um I'll tell you, I was just recently, I was with a family for dinner and the young uh, children, they were, you know, they were teenagers, uh, uh, dropping F-bombs like, you know, like you would eat Tic Tacs. I couldn't believe it. And it was clearly accepted by the family because nobody even winced except me at these, uh, you know, these outbursts. And I'm, I was thinking, when did this become acceptable? When did it become acceptable that we just can curse, not just in the presence of company, but in the presence of a Catholic priest? I don't understand what has happened to our society. It's There's no respect at all for the dignity of the human person. And it's so sad because this isn't how we were meant to live. And as I tell people all the time, you know, when I say you shouldn't talk like that, they go, why? Why not? There's a great pride in uh, the, the indignancy that the person experiences if you question what they're saying. And I simply say, nobody in heaven talks like that. And if you're trying to get there, you're going to feel very uncomfortable or you're going to go in, through purgatory for a very long time because that's not acceptable in heaven. Well, that causes a pause. And then a lot of people just say, well, 
maybe I'd be better off in hell. Oh, dear Lord, you don't know what you're saying. But, but see the pride there? Rather than admit they're wrong, people, they, they pull a punch that's so stupid and devoid of any intelligence that I'd rather go to hell. Come on. You obviously don't know what hell is. So what are we to do? Well, if you're serious about retaking purity, it begins in the home. So this is for the parents and the grandparents and anybody else who has kids in their home. That you, We must begin teaching children that purity is a gift from God. And then we have to start talking about purity in the lives of the saints and start teaching people about great heroes of purity. And uh, it's not just a sexual thing. It's a purity of life. You know, to the pure, everything is pure. To the vulgar, they see vulgarity in anything. So we have to be a people that are trying to bring purity to the forefront. And Our Lady is the queen of purity. And so you can begin by adding that to your rosary, that uh, purity would envelop the hearts of your family members. Um, because it really is, a, we're living in a filthy world. Filthy. The TV ads, um, there, there's so many ads for all these um, dysfunctions in the bedroom. Like, it's too much. Why, why does it have to be an ad on TV? That should something, be something between you and your doctor if you need to do that. What is, kids are watching TV. It's the stupidest thing. Um, and then, you know, phones are supposed to be unable to be opened except if you use the password. But yet, you can pick up a phone and just hit it and a picture will sometimes come up. And it's often of a news feed. And often the news feed is vulgarities. Um, you know, of the latest pop singer who decided she had to um, bear everything for the sake of art. Who knows? But it's crazy. Now, St. Thomas Aquinas, let's talk about him, because, you know, this is the angelic doctor. And that book I mentioned about Aquinas and the angelic warfare confraternity, the angelic warfare confraternity is in uh, a society or an organization that helps to uh, protect and ensure purity and its members, and they have prayers to pray, and uh, they pray for you as well. But um, it's a it's a very good thing, and you know Saint Thomas himself. The reason Saint Thomas uh, would be who was very pure would be the doctor over this, uh, because he was a powerful patron for chastity. Because in his own life, he received a very special grace of chastity and purity, and now he is ready from heaven to share it with you. So a little bit, as we shift gears here, just a little bit about Thomas. Born in 1226, the youngest son, a very noble family in Italy. And his parents wanted him to become a Benedictine monk uh, in the hopes that he would become the abbot, or the leader, you could say, of a prestigious monastery. But God had other plans for him. And so when he was in his teens, uh, the monks sent him to study theology in Naples, where he came across the members of the Dominican order. And uh, the Dominicans were relatively young, and they didn't have any uh, prestige yet, and that that was no good for his family. So he became very interested in this Dominican life, and thank God he did. And he joined the orders against the wishes of his parents, 
Now, we didn't even listen to this. His parents were so opposed to this that they had him arrested and kidnapped and jailed in one of the family castles, their own son. And they wouldn't release him until he relented to their request to become a Benedictine. Uh, and for a year, he refused to relent and stayed in the prison in the castle. And that year was a good year for him. He studied the Bible intensely, and he grew in great wisdom. And finally, after becoming tired of waiting, uh, the brothers hatched a final plan. So uh, they thought that if they put a physical temptation in the castle with him, a woman, he would abandon his uh, pursuit of religious life. So one night they brought in a very uh, scantily clad prostitute and put her in the room where St. Thomas was being held. The plan did not work because Thomas snatched a uh, burning uh, red-hot uh, iron out of the fire and drove the woman out of the room, slammed the door behind her, and emblazoned the sign of the cross on the door with the red-hot poker. He then fell to his knees and gave thanks to God uh, and prayed to be preserved in his chastity, purity, and intention to live the religious life. And, of course, God honored that. So because of his heroic uh, commitment to purity, this saint now has special graces he can uh, attain for you, too, and me, and for all of us who are living in one of the most filthy periods in human history. So pray to St. Thomas, pray to Maria Goretti for their to intercession for you and your families to come into uh, perfect purity and also Our Lady, the Queen of Purity. Uh, Pope Pius XI, there's a lot of Piuses, as you've noticed. Pope Pius XI wrote this about St. Thomas. He said, if St. Thomas had not been victorious when his chastity was in peril, it is very probable that the church would never have had her angelic doctor. Well, that makes sense. Uh, if he'd stumbled down the, the road off of his vocation, uh, there probably never would have been uh, a summa theologica and uh, the doctor, the angelic doctor. So the confraternity, what is it? Uh, okay, the confraternity it was founded... After Thomas died, um, and it began because there was a cord Thomas would wear around his waist, a little white cord, and it was the cord of purity. And it seems that many would have touched cords to this relic and wear them, hoping that the prayers of the saint would aid them in their struggles with chastity. And for many people that, that would come, they would be uh, relieved from any temptations towards being unchaste. So uh, the, the court became venerated and eventually established this confraternity, uh, which has a set of special prayers, and you uh, write to the community to be entered into it. And it's called the Angelic Warfare Confraternity, and uh, you can Google that to find out more about it. I think uh, there was a very interesting article written, uh, oddly, in the New York Times. Um, it, what was it called? America and the Culture of Vulgarity. It was a good article. Um, 
And this gentleman who wrote it, whom I cannot see, Albert Moeller Jr., he said, what I just said at the opening of the show, that there's a toxic mudslide of vulgarity creeping into nations, family rooms, and everywhere else. Uh, there's almost no remote corner of this culture that is not marked by the toleration of vulgarity or the outright celebration of depravity. This is very true. Uh, and not to end on a down note, but like, I don't see this getting better because the people that run the media, the people that run Hollywood and the people that run Madison Avenue, they want this. They want this because, uh, for some reason, sex has been selling and adding to their bottom line. And money will always push an agenda. And so if you want to step away from this sort of culture, you're going to have to start signing out of some of your apps. Instagram, get rid of it. Facebook, get rid of it. Uh, Twitter seems to be less vulgar, but it's more angry. So I'd get rid of that too. Uh, all of these things... Um, they're not healthy. It's simply not healthy. Consider the saints for 1,900 years plus. No TV, no telephones, no radio. What did they do all day? They prayed. They pondered God through nature. They were physically active, outdoors, farming, uh, making, producing jams and jellies, whatever else they did, um, teaching the children. So th this is what brought them to sanctification. It wasn't sitting on Twitter or watching Instagram. So if you're really committed to bringing purity back into your home, it would be good to get rid of all those things. And the, the, the longer you can keep children from logging onto a device, the better chance that child will remain pure. And you have to really monitor who they're hanging out with, what their friends do at home, you know, you used to be able to take, when somebody wanted to go over somebody's house to play, you never questioned it. it. It would be bad if you knew they were your neighbor, but now who knows what's going on in people's homes? What are they watching on their TV? Are they watching cable movies? Are they watching things that are completely illicit uh, or, or a downright overtly sexual you don't know so i would say i wouldn't let anybody go into anybody's home until i had a question with that uh the head of that home about you know what's what did they practice in that home and that might be uncomfortable for some people but you know what it's your child it's your child so you at all costs we want to protect the kids and their innocence it's been good to be with you today i'll be back tomorrow god bless you may almighty god Bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Father Dan signing out.